All right, we are live. So welcome everybody to this special Patreon live stream. I'm glad you could join us. I, most of you know that we're usually a very small group and uh, it's very cozy and we can get to a lot of questions. Uh, so again, please uh, welcome, post your questions in the chat box. We've already started to get quite a few questions there. If you don't have access to, hold on a second. I'm, I'm live somewhere else, hold on, I have to, I have to post myself. Sorry about that. <laughs> I had the live open and then doing two things at the same time. So um, if you don't have access to, uh, to, to the chat box, just post your questions in Patreon and Elsa will copy them into the chat here. Okay, so we'll try to get, usually we get to about 30 questions during the hour and a half or so of the live stream. So I'll just uh, mention a few things before Penny starts. Um, the first thing is that uh, we now have a new PDF that's on um, our website. Those of you who've bought Getting Well Naturally, we get a lot of requests for um, the equivalent sheet as well as the healing and rebuilding program. So now if you go to Penny's website, if you go here on free downloads and you click on that, you will see that there are three downloads that you can uh, just click and um, put into your cart. It's free. Um, so you can pick up all three or just one or whatever, you know, you're interested in, but they're really great accompanying, accompanying documents to Getting Well Naturally book, which of course is available here in ebook on Penny's website, okay, if you want to buy it here. Um, it's available in hard copy in every bookstore, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles and, and uh, book depository, etc. cetera. Uh, second little thing that we have, just so you guys are aware, the C60 and the Zeolite promotions are still there. Uh, the C60 is the most recent. If you want some more info on this, there's a little interview here with uh, Penny and Patty, and you can use the link and the coupon code to get 10% off um, of the products. And the Zeolite promotion is still there. Very good product. And I've been using it now for, I think, six months, and I'm still you know, quite impressed with it. It's a really good product. And um, otherwise, let me go back here. Uh, just a few more things to mention. Just, we'll try to be mindful in the chat uh, when you're posting to, with trigger words, if you can just replace it with something else. So when Penny reads it, you know, doesn't stumble on all these words that we know we can't say. So we just be mindful of that. Um, we're gonna try to stick to general questions today, uh, not really personal questions, because we do so many personal questions, date of birth and location in the teen consciousness. So we invite you to join us at the teen consciousness if you have those types of questions. Um, I have to say that you guys have really good questions and the live streams are, are actually quite appreciated by other people who are not Patreons who watch it. So, you know, thank you for posting such great questions for that interest everyone. Um, uh, one last thing, uh, Penny will read the, the short disclaimer and otherwise that's it for me. So I'll give it to you, Penny. Okay, welcome. Welcome everybody. It is August the 7th, I think. Yeah, 2022. And this is Sunday evening in this soggy, humid place. <laughs> so um, so I just want to read um, a disclaimer in case there's any information given out about medical stuff. The information, procedures, suggestions, and ideas that, uh, that we talk about are not meant to take the place of your physician, okay? You should have a good working relationship with your physician. So all use of the information that we talk about here is at your own discretion. So be wise, okay? Be safe. Okay. 
All right. So I will let it go at that. And um, I don't have any opening remarks. Um, there is so much going on in the world. So much. And I've tried to ignore that this last week. Of course, I had a, a toilet that started leaking. And so we had this whole toilet drama that lasted for a week. Finally got fixed this morning. Um, and, um, and the rest of the time I was working on the revival, which is I'm doing like um, second to the last edit. So I don't know what's going on in the world. So I hope you guys do. Okay. Um, with that, go ahead, post some questions, Daphne. <clears throat> uh, this is from Nana, R504. And she says, can Penny say what she feels will happen on October 3rd? It's being reported in many places. Some say it is a transition to, um, to what? So I've heard that, but not a lot about it. Um, I The thought that I've had over and over was the transition to the next financial system. I don't know that that's the case, but um, if it's not the next financial system, then I have no idea what it would be because there are so many things happening food-wise, so many things happening government-wise, um, medical-wise, there's all kinds of stuff happening in terms of, um, I'm going to say threats, we'll call it threats. Um, some of those threats I have seen, I have worried are going to become real in October, early October. One of them was a big kaboom in the east coast on the east coast um i'm still seeing that but i'm hoping that that will be somehow interfered with we have had other th similar threats that people have um, gotten in there and said oh not on my watch and they um confounded the people who are trying to pull off something so we'll see uh, whether or not we still have electricity and whether we still have internet after October 3rd. Okay. Um, I'll keep you posted. Actually, that's one of the things I wanted to look at in detail for the look-see, which I already started, but we're not nearly done. Okay. Um, okay. So be prepared for whatever, you guys. <clears throat> Margaret says, I have a sense that there is a depletion of the ozone layer above the U.S., which could explain disease and early death of plants. Any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, there is some depletion of that ozone layer. And that had started to recover, and then all of a sudden it stopped. Uh, there have been different reasons advanced as to why. I'm not sure why it would have stopped. Uh, I do know that there is technology that can destroy that ozone layer. Plants need the protection of that ozone layer, but more than anything, they need carbon dioxide. So we, uh, they need weather, they need healthy soil, uh, they need so they need all the things that we need, all the same minerals, all the same vitamins, everything, and then it makes a healthy plant, and the healthy plant produces healthy. Um, fruit 
or grain or veggie, whatever it is. So um, the that whole thing uh, about the ozone layer, that is one of those things that has been continuously or there's been a continuous effort to destroy that. I have heard that the chemtrails, can we say chemtrails, Daphne? <laughs> um, I have heard that some of the sprays that are being sprayed out there in the atmosphere are destroying a lot of that ozone. Um, that may be the case, but that's not the real target, I don't think. I think the real target is the people, the destruction of the people, so as far as chemtrails are concerned. Um, okay, uh, in terms of disease and early death of plants, also be aware that we have a tremendous amount of, of um, weather changes coming and that there's been a lot of destructive weather or just drought, plain old drought in so many places. People are either drying up or drowning. And that's why a lot of plants are struggling. Plants communicate. Trees communicate. And they know what's happening in other quarters of the world. And it's a little discouraging for them. So be aware that anything you can do to help would be greatly appreciated. Okay. When I say help, I mean like in nurturing plants. If it's dry, give them some water. If they're sitting in water, dig a little trench that goes downhill and drains some of that water away. Okay. All right. Good question there. So Pan GNC, Pan Ching, Pan JNC, JNC. Um, please talk about the solar flash. Ooh. <laughs> Um, is it true that it will not harm but will cause an increase in frequency? And if so, who will and will not benefit from it? Um, if you're talking about a solar flash as opposed to a micronova, I'm not sure that there's any difference. A solar flash is a, a massive um, EMP-like event coming out of the sun. If that comes across from the sun to us, it'll take about eight minutes to get here. It will take down the grid when whatever area that it hits. And we don't have a, an electrical system that is uh, sturdy enough, that has enough resiliency built in to be able to withstand any kind of solar flash. So I think that would be the end of electricity in that region, whatever region is facing the sun <clears throat> at that time. And it would take a while to restore that. So that's a solar flash. What I know about, have studied mostly, is the flash that really is a micronova. And it starts with the sun swelling, and it gets a little bigger, and the sun turns a lighter color, almost a whitish color, and it gets quite a bit bigger, enough uh, larger that if we have an eclipse, the moon or the planet, if the uh, planet is, um, you know, eclipsing that sun, uh, it's not enough to cover the entire sun. The moon is not big enough to cover the entire sun once that sun starts to swell. 
So you would still see um, a ring around the, uh, a quite, a, quite a good size ring, like a white sidewall tire around the sun. The next thing that happens is when that sun poofs and sneezes, we call it a sneeze, solar sneeze, um, that's quite a lot of force. And that hits all of the debris that is floating between the sun and us. And it sends that debris flying at us. Um, the solar flash itself will hit the atmosphere of our planet and compress that atmosphere quite a bit. When you compress atmosphere, a gas, the temperature goes up. It will go up somewhere around to 2000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty hot. So whatever's facing the sun, whatever side of the planet is facing the sun, um, there's gonna be this massive compression and then this uh, massive amount of fires. And in um, snow that has been uh, dug up, what do they call those snow cores, uh, what they see is that there um, were there's quite a layer of ash that shows up um, at the intervals of the solar micronovas of the west. They happen for our sun about every 12,000 years. Other suns uh, have different micronova schedules. Some of them are like every 15, 20 years. Um, so anyway, um, so that pressure hits the planet, compresses the atmosphere, um, temperature goes up, a lot of stuff starts on fire, planet keeps turning, maybe, and about 17 hours later, all the debris begins hitting, and that debris pulverizes whatever side of the planet is facing the sun at that point. So, um... The uh, couple things that I would say is that there's really not very many alternatives. Um, it, that is that micronova is called the catastrophe cycle. Um, it is pretty much uh, something that happens every twelve thousand years. It has, there will be plasma formations in the sky. We will see those plasma formations. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of um, wind that accompanies that event. The blowing away or the hitting of the atmosphere is something that causes the, the atmosphere to blow away. If you do not have a good source of oxygen or you don't have good lungs, uh, it'll take a few hours for that, to, for that oxygen in that atmosphere to be replaced. And during that time, the wind, the atmosphere from the other side of the planet is going to blow around and um, you're going to have 200 mile an hour winds coming around. So following the actual 24 hours of the flash, um, if that flash hits on the ocean, if that micronova uh, and the compression and heat hits the ocean, it will evaporate about... 400 feet of water right off the surface of the ocean. Um, that will cause tides, ocean, the, you know, when you dip a cup of water out of a pot of water, 
the rest of the water fills in, so there'll be some of that sloshing. Um, the water is, then you got 400 feet of water up in the uh, atmosphere. That's going to come down, and it's going to rain and rain and rain. The problems accumulate um, because it keeps on coming down, um, and, it, and it basically... If you have 400 feet of water, that translates to about 19,000 feet of snow. And because the atmosphere that is rushing around to fill in the atmosphere that got blown away, that atmosphere is, um, is uh, expanding, the temperature drops. And the temperature will drop into the somewhere in the neighborhood of minus 200 degrees Fahrenheit. So a lot of cold, a lot of water coming down, a lot of snow in the northern regions. It's a mess. It's just a mess. Um, there's a lot of uh, dust in the atmosphere, uh, stuff that hasn't burned up or got blown away. Um, people that survive may not see the sun for quite a long time, approximately 20 to 40 years, 30 years being the average. Uh, very difficult to grow crops. So we are looking at a rough time if that occurs. I'm hoping that, uh, I'll be very selfish and say I hope it doesn't occur in my lifetime, but I think it's going to. Um, so we will see what happens. Um, the solution to prepare, we need energy systems that will supply the entire spectrum of light that sun, the sun um, supplies. We need to be inside the planet so that what's going on in the surface is not affecting us. And we need to have learned how to work together, how to grow things, how to be self-sufficient. There are many places inside the planet that already exist that do live on a steady basis. Um, the inside of the planet is a very interesting place. So, um, so I'll let it go with that. Okay. One more thing I, in your question, you asked about frequency. Um, there are uh, quite a, a number of changes that occur um, in, because of small particles that hit and frequency changes that hit and that changes DNA. And so you get lots and lots of mutations, lots of changes in plant, animal, and human life. In the ancient history, we are, I think we're called the people of the fifth sun. Um, and that when, when our sun does its micronova, most of us would go extinct. We would be, have to be ready to step into the next uh, dimension that is not physical or as physical and um, we would have to be ready for a lot of changes in plants animals and people to occur okay because of dna and ch dna changes okay okay let's let that go all right it's not a heavy topic but it is um there are solutions we just have not done anything or taken many steps to to get ready for that. Okay. Uh, this um, person, a continuing question. Do you mind reading that? 
No, no, not at all. So Pan GNC initials are at least three states I've lived in. <clears throat> Must be Pennsylvania, New Jersey, North Carolina. Um, regarding the flash, people are saying it will cause ascension to take place. Is this true or not? Um, so ascension is leaving. It's death. You ascend, you move into another realm, another world. So in that sense, yes, it absolutely um, forces, ready or not, here we come, uh, a lot of people to move into uh, the next realm. And if you're ready for that, it's not a problem. If you're not ready and you haven't done some of the reading or the meditating or the thinking, that can be scary. can be very scary. If you plan to survive on the planet as a physical being, you better be setting up a cave or something that you can move into and be pretty comfortable for a while. Okay? There are lots and lots of tunnels and underground, um, I'll call it locations, that are city-sized in, inside the planet. I know that the government has blown up quite a few of those over the last few years because they were being occupied by people who were doing less than honorable things. Um, but there's still a lot more left. So um, ascension, yeah, people say they talk about ascension all the time as if we're just going to magically transform. Um, and if you can hang on to your consciousness and keep yourself in a pile, then yes, you can move into a higher state of awareness, um, but it's not going to be like what you have here. Okay? It's actually kind of exciting, I think. So we could say more on that, but... <laughs> um, what is Lionsgate to bring? Diane says, what is Lionsgate to bring? So um, I'm not real familiar with Lionsgate. Isn't that something that happens right now, like August, the beginning of August? Um, it's typically something that ushers in, uh, we'll say, drama. Okay, something drastic. Um, there have been all kinds of stories over the past few years about what Lionsgate actually does. Uh, I haven't seen uh, evidence that it does anything specific to everybody, but for some people, um, the Lionsgate, I think that's, is it 8-8, eight, eight, August 8th? Um, that can be a pretty strong, uh, you know, pretty strong evolutionary kick in the pants that causes you to either wake up to something or to have to deal with something that you've been trying to avoid or, or, or. I actually had August 11th come to me several times over the last week. Um, I would be writing, you know, uh, the date, August, whatever date it was, and I would write August 11th. And then I would think, what? This is not August 11th. Um, and then I was, um, I have a calendar that I fill out the date at the top of the pages. And uh, I got to August 11th and, and just kind of froze there and thought, hmm, there's that August 11th thing again. 
So we we may see something somewhat dramatic um, on the 11th. Um, there are a whole bunch of, of things that are taking shape. It could be any one of those things, financial, um, educational issues, uh, more stuff happening with um, the medical system. The, there's just a lot, like the, the whole business with um, uh, what's happening across the pond, the Pacific pond, um, not the Atlantic pond. Uh, that there's some drama that's beginning to build over there big time. And so we may see something happening there. I actually think if we see it coming out of China, that's going to be a good thing. I don't know why I think that, but it comes to me every time as um, that'll be a good thing. And so I'm like, okay, <laughs> uh, we'll see. So, um, yeah, I can't be more specific than that because there is so much drama happening at this point. Um, so Jenny says, hi, Penny. Do you believe that the consciousness has shifted somewhat in the last six months? Is it enough? Yes. I had just, I was just thinking about this a couple of weeks ago, um, and, and realizing that I can sense a shift, a big shift not just a little shift. Um, and it's a shift that is, um, I'm, I'm kind of communicating how it goes like this. <gasps> that kind of a shift, like people are holding their breath and then when they breathe out, um, something is gonna, something is, is gonna be troublesome. There will be trouble. The, uh, the in-breath, is the realization of something that maybe people didn't want to take into account, maybe people didn't want to admit, um, or they are realizing how much manipulation has gone on, how many lies have been told, how many um, stupid science proclamations have been made, um, all sorts of things along those lines. And and the and what I pick up over and over is that it's just enough to for if there's a an attempt to repeat any of the lockdowns or the, any of the directives or I, I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to get in trouble, but um, I think you know what I'm talking about. People are not going to go for that they just aren't and there there will be this kind of this quiet sort of i hope i can get the right face so um, hold on now i can't quit laughing um this quiet kind of looking the government in the eye and saying go ahead sucker try it just try it and that attitude is not something that we've seen in the past before there was all kinds of oh my gosh oh we're all under pressure we're all under um, you know the death threat and we need to take this action or that action or you know get take in certain things that will make us better and keep us healthy that did not do anything of the sort um, and that has been some of the, the, I'm going to say the biggest part of the wake up call 
Um, some of the other wake-up call is what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. The truth is, is um, slowly uh, seeping out there. So we have, we have this attitude that has been taking shape under the surface, and that attitude is um, it's not having any more BS, to put it bluntly. Okay? So, um, okay, so uh, Elizabeth says, what are some indications that a person might have an ET lineage? And if this is likely, what can a person actually do with this knowledge? Um, okay, that's a, that's a whole day's lecture, Elizabeth. A <laughs> um, couple things, though, that are really... Um, there's quite a few things. That, let me see if I can mention some of them quickly. First of all, if you have some ET lineage, some ET connection, you are either going to be absolutely terrified of that whole ET thing because you won't want to admit that you have that connection, or you'll be absolutely fascinated by it. And you will dig in and you will, you know, find... Uh, as many facts and, and et cetera, and listen to as many stories as you can. You will go after information. You will find that you are one of those people who is really um, moves into an altered state of consciousness pretty, pretty easily, pretty smoothly. You will find that you are somebody who remembers your dreams pretty easily, maybe not every night. Well, when there's something important to be remembered, you will remember it. Um, there will be this um, almost always, once you wake up to your own ET lineage, um, let's say that you want to ask ETs, hey, um, you know, am I connected to you guys somehow? Say that out loud outside in the night looking up at the night sky and the chances are probably about 95 percent that you're going to see something go just zipping across the sky or blinking its lights at you um, and then disappear and that's an acknowledgement that yes you know they don't typically show themselves to people unless those people have some connection to the ET lineage, to an ET lineage, and there's a, there's a lot of them. There's a lot. Um, another thing is that you may actually have um, blank spots in your memory, missing time. Typically, that's because your people are working on you, have picked you up, they're working on you. Um, you can have uh, uh, what they call abductions, where you can get picked up and be taken on board ship uh, in your sleep or even if you're awake or even in the middle of the day. All of a sudden, everything becomes kind of hazy and sort of dreamy-like, and you have this kind of a feeling that's that something's different. Um, that's part of that whole ET um, working on your consciousness or sending you something, um, etc. Sometimes you'll feel frozen, 
<laughs> like you can't move or you don't want to move, you're not sure what's happening, um, that's typically they're downloading information to you um, that changes you in some good way, typically some good way. There can be absolutely overt face-to-face -face meetings um, that indicate that you are part of a group. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine last night. Uh, he was talking about um, when he was in Europe, uh, there's an entire village that's known in that region as the, as um, I forget if it's in French or I think it's French, um, uh, maybe Swiss, but it's known as the Pleiadian village. It's where the Pleiadians who come here live and work. And he had been given a map by one of the Pleiadians like 40 years ago. And he took the map. Oh, yeah, fine. Thank you. Well, he was cleaning out his closets and, and looking through some of his papers uh, a couple of weeks ago and came across this map. And on the back of the map, he had never turned the map over. On the back was a set of instructions as to how to get to this village and to go to a specific spot and sit on a particular bench. And they would come and talk with him. And so he sees this message 40 years late and says, oh, you know, I, I have to go back to Europe. I have to go back to Europe. So, um, so he's, he's like, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have blah, blah, blah. Should I do this? And, and he's chewing on this question. And he goes to bed finally. It's like late at night. And he um, he's, he said, just all of a sudden, something in him just blurted out, look, if I'm supposed to go back to Europe and meet with you guys, give me a sign that I can't miss. And he said, nothing happened instantly. But 10 minutes later, he has this glass angel sitting on his dresser. And I don't know, it's a, it's a foot tall or something like that. He said that darn thing lit up and colors started rotating through that angel, filling the whole room. And he said his hair stood right up. He doesn't have much hair, um, but stood right up. And he said, I knew right then I have to figure out a way to get back there. I have to come up with the money. I have to, you know, get the time. I have to blah, 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 blah. So you'll have, if you have a working relationship, then you will have um, any one of those kinds of things that will occur. And, you know, I've had the face-to-face -face as well as been on board ships, as well as get instant answers for a lot of things. Um, and, you know, often ships will show themselves to you and i don't mean in the night sky 10 miles away i mean like they're hovering over the house next door or they're you're driving down the road down the highway and there it is sitting 100 feet off the the highway and and you see it and it's obvious so um, those are some of the things that occur when you have 
some connection. If you have a connection or you want to find out if you do, then um, put out the information to, uh, let's just say, um, what's his name? Uh, Valiant Thor. Um, he's still here on the planet. Uh, and just say some message to Valiant Thor. My name is so-and-so. I would be more than happy to work with you guys. Let me know what I can do. Thank you. Closing now. And wait and see what comes to you. So if they show up to examine you and get a print of your energy system, don't be surprised. That's usually what ships do when they show up and they're only 100 feet away. Um, and they just kind of hover there. So um, that's, you know, I think that's probably um, food for thought. And I would encourage you to do make yourself available um, for those, those ETs that are really hoping, you know, working with um, the humans here to uh, boost them. And, and there's, they will say, we won't do this for you, but we'll help. We'll give you a boost when you need it. If we see you taking action, we'll give you a boost. Um, and they do. So you get little miracles happening regularly. Okay? So join the group. <laughs> I'll post okay. uh, two follow-up questions back-to-back. -back. So I'll read the first one, and then I'll put the second one. Um, okay. I thought we were all ETs. There is no such thing as native earthling as far as I understand. In many ways, that is true. We descended from the, uh, the ETs who were uh, originally trying to, um, they were working with us, we'll put it nicely, okay? And it was actually a very nice um, intention on their part. Um, people from Sirius were here, they were um, working, they were here for a couple thousand years, actually working to create a human that had the capacities or the ability uh, to be able to communicate with them. Telepathy, you know, all the stuff that uh, everybody wants to be able to do. And, and so they had several different experiments going and they had ended up with two versions of Earth humans. Um, and some of those were ENL, that was the classification for one group. And the others were ENK humans. ENK is mostly what we have on the planet. You could say that we have some ET um, blood in us or some ET DNA. And, um, and so it, from that point of view, yep, we're all ETs. But one of the things that uh, other evolved races do is move around the cosmos and where they see life that could be given a boost, that could be tweaked, um, that could be re-engineered um, to become something beautiful. Um, they will do that. And they do that because we have to sustain ourselves. The humanoid form has to sustain itself. And there's a lot of humanoid groups that just blow themselves up or they're destructive to the point that they self-destruct. So, um, yeah, that when you have 
tens of thousands of years of evolution uh, in which we really have uh, not gone very far. And then we suddenly have this window of opportunity to take a step up. That's what they're hoping to see. And what, and I've talked about this before, what's the big interest is how incredibly resilient we are. The kind of resilience that the physical body has. They look at our world and how dirty it is and how we've polluted it and destroyed so many natural systems. And we're still chugging along. And that kind of resilience is highly, highly desirable because a lot of ET groups need uh, the boost it, to their DNA that we have in ours. So they're very interested in seeing us survive. So I hope that makes sense. <laughs> um, Let's see. My understanding is that we are all energetic beings, souls of the same origin, even ETs. Many people have strong connections to other planets, but wouldn't be native to there per se either. Um, this is kind of a two-part question. Uh, let me say that we are energy beings. There's this humongous, uh, endless, eternal ocean of frequencies out there and each human being is this little tiny little tiny region of frequencies within the big ocean of frequencies and we are a pattern it's the humanoid pattern um, and we've adapted that pattern to the earth so we are very much subject to um, the kinds of minerals the temperatures, uh, the geography, the seasonal qualities, the uh, everything, how far we are from the sun. There's so many things that make us unique. So to say, you know, there's a myth around, I hear people talk about it. Um, they talk about souls. Your soul is your energy frequency matrix. That's you. If that dissolves, you dissolve back into the soup. You go back into the Godhead. So, but if it doesn't, you know, the Godhead is eternal. If you can hold yourself together, then you can become an eternal being. And that is the goal, you know, to, to, <laughs> to live 70 years, you know, where I come from, we say, what's the point? It's hardly worth it. You're just figuring out how things work and, and you're dead. So that's, um, so we're all made of energy. We're all frequencies. We are all unique. Every single human is like a snowflake, different from every other human. Okay. Um, I think that's an astounding fact. Absolutely astounding. So um, we do have the same origin. The origin is the frequencies, you know, the Godhead, the frequencies that make up the, the Godhead. Um, and ETs are the same, and trees, same thing, and birds, and bugs, and fish, and cats, and dogs, and cows, and chickens, they all are frequency beings. Everybody's made of the same stuff, okay?
So people do have connections to other planets. I have connections to a whole bunch of places, not even in this galaxy. And I know people who have way more connections than I do. The few that I have, I'm considered kind of young. Um, So it's, you know, we have, we go to worlds, uh, planets, planetary reality systems that offer the kind of experience and lesson we want to have. And so you, when you go to a place, um, you live there, you know it. You know that system through and through. You learn the language, you understand the customs, etc. When you spend time in the Earth system, you learn the language, you learn the customs, um, you learn the general kinds of, of concepts that everybody holds here on the planet. Um, it's amazing. And that language, those symbols that you use, that we create, um, these are symbols, you know, cup of tea, um, a mouse, a uh, pair of glasses, a, um, some earrings. Uh, those are all things that are common in our reality system, and they are not so common in other reality systems. So the, the symbols, things make up the language of our system. And when you meet somebody who's been in the earth system, you communicate telepathically using those symbols. Everybody knows what those mean or what cup of coffee means or what a mouse indicates or what a pen indicates, etc. So, um, yeah, good question. We have a lot of connections and you want to nurture those, okay? Uh, Janelle says, what do you feel is the reason some people have lifelong abduction stories? Um, is it genetic? Is it, a, you know, their abilities? Um, yeah, they are deeply, deeply connected um, to, uh, to others, you know, other people. Um, a lot of people volunteer to be of service when they come here. They volunteer before they come here. And then they come here, and of course, the programming, the way we're raised as children, the education, the um, the governmental system, the family, all of that wipes out and makes ET stuff absolutely uh, terrifying. People are, look at all the movies. They program you to be afraid of the ETs. Um, so you get abducted doing what you said you would do. I'll go down there and I'll, you know, grow a body and you can have some of my eggs and it will restore our people. And then you freak out because you absolutely forgot what you agreed to do. So um, a lot of it is genetics. Sometimes uh, when you get some groups of, of ETs, that are a little more distant. They're not, they're not involved with us like some groups are. Um, but let's say they're a little more distant, a little more detached, a little more um, uncaring. Let me use the word uncaring. Uh, if they need the kind of genetic DNA 
you have. And that is one of the things that is just common um, where we have the fingerprint system. <laughs> you know, a lot of ET groups have what would be called the frequency DNA uh, imprint system. They identify that in a hot second. And so if you've got what they need, they will try to um, pick you up. If, you, if they don't have a prior agreement with you, um, they will try to pick you up and they will try to make sure you don't remember so you're not upset. But a lot of people do end up remembering. Um, and then they're all freaked out. Oh, something terrible is happening. And then you have all the sexual um, dogma, the BS around sexuality that we have to deal with here. Uh, that just makes it very difficult. So um, abilities... Uh, there are people who uh, have certain abilities who are very interested in, uh, what would I call it, going further, be, you know, learning some of the more exotic abilities, telepathy, um, you know, teleportation, telekinesis, uh, just even simple clairvoyance or clairaudience, things like that. Um, those people will sometimes uh, get some sort of chip or something embedded in them. And what that makes possible is for the group that embedded the chip to study, what are those humans about? What are they doing? How do they think? What do they feel? What goes on in their body? So that's some of it. Sometimes they will embed something or do something similar to the way the old Tibetans used to embed uh, something in the brain that would open up the third eye. It was an incredibly painful procedure, but it was powerful. Um, they do the same thing. And that then helps those people to be, uh, the people who have the chip or the whatever it is embedded, um, helps them to be more uh, intuitive, more communicative, more telepathic, all of those things. And so um, those that ability to communicate, then that individual often ends up working with somebody from elsewhere. Um, and it, you know, who knows what the, the task could be anything. I mean, it could be a governmental something, you know, you're looking at something, you're reading something, in the government, top secret, and it's transmitted elsewhere. Of course, there's not much top secret. There's no privacy the way that we have privacy here um, in, among many of the races. Uh, privacy is, it's assumed that you are good. It is assumed that you will be thoughtful. It is assumed that you will be behave, um, that you will be kind. And um, and that's, you know, the only reason we want privacy is because we're trying to cover up our nastiness. We're trying to cover up our, our bad thoughts and the fact that we're doing one thing and we're, um, you know, that makes it look like we're really doing something good. But in our mind, we're talking to ourselves bad stuff going through the mind. And 
so when you learn to read somebody's mind so when you read when like for when kundalini occurs and you have this long period of time where you're able to read people's minds um what there's there's a huge shock there in realizing that um people are split they're not doing what they're thinking or they're not thinking what they're doing they're doing something that is in direct contradiction to what they're telling themselves um, or vice versa and that's crazy crazy making so yeah okay good question janelle Jacqueline says, Penny, can you share about the consciousness and dolphins and whales? Are they connected to Sirius? I always feel their energy powerfully at Lionsgate. Oh, it's already, yeah, it's already 8-8 eight, eight in Australia. Um, this, um, it's more than just dolphins and whales. All animals have the ability to sense the the minute shift in your energy system that precedes whatever move you're going to make. And you'll see that over and over in a mosquito. You go to swat this dang mosquito or the fly and it's gone. <laughs> Why? It knew what you were going to do before you made a physical move because it is sensing the motion of the frequencies. We're in this frequency soup and they're packed in there. And every single thought you have impacts that whole frequency soup all around you. And so they pick up the movements before you even get to the fly swatter or even move the fly swatter. So um, dolphins and whales have this extraordinary consciousness. Um, most animals do. If you've lived with animals, which I have, um, whether it's cows or um, chickens or whatever, they are capable of telepathic thought. They don't quite understand why we don't use that because none of us really speak chicken. None of us really speak cow. So, so why are we using that telepathy? I was just telling Daphne earlier today that I've decided to practice, you know, we had some new chickens. We got some new baby chicks and they're three months old. No, they're not babies anymore. And they finally were big enough to go in with the big chickens. So we put them in the yard. And if you've ever had a chicken coop and, chickens, a new batch of chickens, you put them in the yard at night, they're like running around looking for where can we hide, where can we go. They don't have enough sense. They don't have a habit of going in the coop. And so getting the chickens in the coop for the first usually three or four nights is usually a nightmare. So, so new chickens go in the coop the night before last and um, and they they go out into the yard, chicken yard. Come nighttime, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm gonna have to go out there and chase chickens. Oh my god! So I get out there and I'm talking to them all day. You guys, when it gets to nighttime, go in the coop. Go in the coop. So when I get out there, it's about nine o'clock. 
And one of them is in the coop and up on the roost with all the other chickens. The other three are wandering around in the yard and kind of hunkered down or wandering around this corner looking for a spot to hunker down in the corner. And so I thought, let's just practice our telepathy. So I had a flashlight. I just shined the flashlight on the door to the coop, little chicken door, and started talking to them telepathically. Come on, guys, up the steps, in the coop. Come on, go in the coop. You know, there's a spot in there for you. My gosh, they all turned around, looked at me, walked over, went up the ramp and in the chicken door. I never said a word. Not out loud. It was just like, wow, you know, why didn't I do this before? And and I said to them, actually, when they were in, do this every night. So when I went out the next night, last night was the second night, um, they were all in the coop, all by themselves, on the roost already. We don't use the skills that we have, and animals have that capacity, whether it's a horse, uh, whether it's a whale, whether it's a dolphin, they are very sensitive to the messages coming through frequencies. And when it's directed at them and it's directed with love, they're right there. And you can't fool them. You can't fool, you can't fool a cat, you can't fool a dog. If you got, if, nasty energy, they know it. If you're impatient, they know it. If you're crying, even the cows used to come around and like look at me if I was out and, you know, crying over something, somebody got hurt, and or now I have to do this or whatever. You know, they're sensitive to that. So dolphins and whales are, they are the symbol of the ability to a, communicate telepathically, and B, move between the dimensions. They move between the dimensions, and they have very highly developed consciousnesses. Um, they love their environment, love it. They don't understand why we waste our time on the, on the ground, on the land. They wonder why we don't join them. You know, it's like, thank you for the invitation. If I think I'll stay here, okay. You know, just send good thoughts. Um, even just the water, the water itself. Um, amazing intelligence, extraordinary um, knowing, just like a human, almost just like a human. <laughs> so I'll let it go at that. There's more stories I could tell, but... Uh, let's see some other questions. Um, Julia says, what are your thoughts on twin flames? Um, well, I've taken quite a beating for my thoughts on twin flames. Um, there really are no twin flames in the way that, how can I say this without getting beat up? <laughs> um, in the way that, in the way that romantic, uh, people talk about twin flames. However, let me say this. When, um, let me give two examples that contradict what I just said, okay? So one is um, two people meet, 
you know, let's say a man and a woman see each other across the room and they're just like, you know, head over heel, got to meet that person. Absolutely falling in love. There's some kind of magic. There's some kind of charge that they can feel and they know it. They both know it. That is when that occurs, what that says is there is an opportunity for them to spark one another into a full-blown kundalini or even a partial kundalini awakening. And that's when you find somebody whose frequency set is a perfect match for you, it fills in your gaps, um, it lights your fire, so to speak. Um, that's what it's about. It's about waking you up the rest of the way. However, in 40 years, I have never found that if one of the people in that relationship has a kundalini awakening, the other one is going to leave. Um, and that's there's a reason for that. It has to do with the fact that the lesson is not about the sex. It's not about the love affair. It's not about the relationship. It's about the next stage of that awakening. And that next stage is that it's all about letting that love flow that this other person sparked in you. Letting that love flow out to every single thing in your world. Even the things that you would say are, uh, you know, like um, a straw. <laughs> this is the straw that I keep in my water bottle. You love every single thing and you pour that love out. Um, you cultivate that love. You nurture that love with plants, with animals, with people, and with things. Because everything is conscious. Everything is listening. Now, the other kind of twin flame is the kind of twin flame in which the two people come together and they work together. And it's like magic. Magic happens. There's no sex involved. There's none of that. But there's a magic that occurs. And I know of two or three uh, couples who work together and magic happens. Um, but that's as far as the twin flame thing goes, okay? And they know we're here to work together. We recognize that there's, you know, we're here to help one another reach this new kind of consciousness. And they often, in doing that with one another, bring that to the world as well. So that's not the definition of twin flame uh, that a lot of people have. Quite often, um, if you have some uh, people who fall in love and stay in love for 70 years, you might say um, that they could maybe qualify as twin flames. But what really has happened is that they have learned how to learn about one another without tearing one another apart. And they've weathered all of the ups and downs and falling in and out of love and not running away when they fall out of love, but just waiting until they fall back in love again. Something I learned from my mother. You know, I've fallen in and out of love with your dad three times, and she was only in her 40s. They had been together 20 years. So, and that, you know, and they ended up staying together. 
that's learning to love. It's a it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. It's not the the like the um, magic and the power of of that recognition of the other who has a gift or has something to give. Okay, so enough on twin flames. <laughs> Um, let's see. Tracy says, hi, Penny. In the last tea, you mentioned to someone to pass on trying to raise consciousness more and get prepared. What? You mentioned to someone to pass on trying to raise consciousness more and get prepared. Has anything changed for you to express the urgency? Oh, Tracy, I'm not sure I understand what you're trying to say there. I think, um, I, I think I remember actually there was someone who uh, they were more focused only on, on raising consciousness. And, and um, I remember that very briefly. And then oh. it said, move that aside and get ready. Like, it's not just about the raising of consciousness. You need to also. <laughs> I remember you know, now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think right now the consciousness should be focused on getting prepared. Do you have what you need in case things get a little rough um, and they may get a little rough for a little while. So um, the chances that they could get rough for years, for like six or seven years, um, I don't, I hope that's not going to be the case. I think it's going to be some months, a couple months, uh, and then it gets better and then maybe it goes downhill and then it gets bad for a while. And then it's, so it's up and down and up and down. And so there's, I, I actually like that um, because you don't want everything to fall apart and never come back up. You want to, you know, if you're not ready, um, you want to see things getting a little better, which gives you a chance to, to say, whoa, I wasn't ready for that. I'm going to get ready. That's not going to happen again. And then if it, and when, if and when it gets bad again, you are ready. And you will probably also have made it clear to others where you stand. And you will be able to see where others stand. And you'll know who can you trust? Who can you work with? Who's really trying to make the world work again? So, um, yeah, that urgency is still there. Um, I think we're, you know, there's a very, very slim chance that we will be able to slide through with a minimum of uproar. But um, I don't know. I haven't looked for a week or two because I've been so focused on editing the revival. I need to get this book out of my hair, out of my head. <laughs> But um, yeah, there's at this point in time, the raising of consciousness is raising it to meet the world. And so you're meeting the situation and the, what you see the world is going to demand of you. And that's a lot right there. Okay. So if you don't have time to meditate, don't fuss about it. There'll be time, especially if the lights go out. You'll have lots of time. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Fire Day. I like that name. Fire Day 55 says, Penny, I think I remember you telling about your father saying sometimes you have to fight for what you believe in. Does this mean we should arm ourselves? 
yes, I did. My father did say that. I remember that like it was yesterday. You know, I felt about that big. Um, he was right. You don't have to go looking for trouble. Sometimes trouble comes to you. You have to be ready. You have to have the mindset. You have to be prepared. You have to have the tools. It is a very good idea to arm yourself. Why? Because it leads to a calmness and a centeredness. You know, all that hoopla out there about taking away guns and um, it, it, the whole thing is as if the gun is going to control you and you're going to turn into this wild, crazy Jesse James type figure that goes berserk and, and you know, just turns his nose up at all the laws. That isn't what happens. We have guns. We have guns. We have a lot of guns. You have to have guns on farm. So, you know, at this point in time, there's no need to buy an arsenal. <laughs> no reason for any of that. Um, but you should have something just in case. And you should know how to use it. You should know how to load it. You should know how to rack it. You should know how to take it apart so that it's not a threat to anybody. Um, you should know how to shoot straight. You should have a certain fluidness when that gun goes off and it kicks a little so so that you don't get hurt. You know, yes, I would love a world that is totally peaceful. We're not there yet, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Maureen says, Penny, should we feel guilty if we participate in old systems? Heck no. <laughs> Heck no. Some of them are fun. Uh, in my mind, I'm imagining new ways of living for myself, but unfortunately still have to participate in old systems to get by. Yeah, that's called being flexible. That's called what I call walking with one leg on each side of the fence. You know, just be careful that you don't droop because <laughs> that fence is going to get you where it hurts. Um, you have to... You have to be willing to be good in both worlds. And as one world dies off or, you know, moves away or becomes less and less um, obvious, less and less uh, needing attention, you're already over here. So no need to, you know, no need to shun the new and there's no need to shun the old. You really have to embrace um, both, and they're usually a whole bunch of little spin-off versions of each one of those. Um, you need to be comfortable in all of them. So, very good question. Yeah, work if you need to. Work, save your money, pay off your bills, pay off as much as you can. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that is coming. Um, this is something that I saw earlier this week, that the um, the Great Reset, whether you call that a governmental reset or financial reset, that reset is coming, okay? What is the difference between that reset as the cabal is planning it and the reset as the people that are planning a new earth are planning it? 
What is the difference? Okay, think about that. I won't say any more. I, I don't want to tweak your thinking. But I'll just say, from my point of view, it's who ends up controlling the reset. I don't think it's going to be the cabal. They are getting it going for us. Surprise! <laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> okay. Blue Cat says, Why is there nothing in the robes book on the poke and the bio? You know why. Or have I missed it? Uh, no, they didn't specifically say anything about the poke. The, um, the most that they said was that there would come a point in time when everybody would be so sick, where the old ones would be so sick and the young ones would be so ill that the people in the middle who had survived or were surviving would just get to this point where they couldn't do anymore. They were trying to take care of the old ones. They were trying to take care of the young ones. They were trying to keep the whole thing going and they were, they were at their wits end, really. Um, and the other thing that they said was that they there would come a time when you would have to uh, prove that you were healthy. You would have to have proof or you could not get into a restaurant or a theater or things like that. Um, and I remember as we were, as I was looking at this, um, seeing great lines of people lined up um, with this odd spacing. And I think now, as I think back on that, that was the social distancing and, and people waiting to get in someplace and there were limits on how many people they would allow in the store. And so, um, so that I, my own reaction when they said people would have to have proof that they were healthy, quote unquote, proof they were healthy. Um, I remember thinking, what? There no way we're going to put up with that. And here we are. Most of the world swallowed that BS hook, line, and sinker. So, you know, so that's as much as they said. But there was the other thing was a huge, huge loss of, of uh, people, a huge loss of life. So um, that was. That was kind of hard to see. It's just, even now, it's kind of hard to talk about. I'm hoping that we'll um, somehow that that, I, I don't know. Okay. I just don't want to lose the number of people that I saw gone. Because what what I saw as a result of that was that there was no one left to make anything work. There was no one left to manufacture. There was, uh, it was, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. We're in the middle of it. Um, we're seeing the details. They just laid it out that here's what's coming. So here we are. Uh, Brian says, I'm seeking info on remedies for those asking for help with the arm stick. Um, is there a reliable repository of information? I love my family. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to say 
couple of things. Number one, um, and I, I didn't, I don't have it handy. There's a link um, that, and I, I didn't pay attention to who put it out. I saw it, and I had seen it before, and I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down. I'm gonna get that link. I'm gonna capture that, and I didn't. Um, but maybe we can find that and put it in with this, you know, at the bottom of this live stream when we post it. The um, the the topic or the thing that was actually working was the um, was it called the MMS and citric acid? Uh, is that the name of that, Daphne? Do you remember? Yes, MMS. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was one thing. The other thing, knowing what I know about the actual real problem, I think the purge would be extremely helpful and zeolite. So um, I'll just say this, I, I can't talk about it on camera because it'll just get this whole thing wiped out. But in the revival, I do have a chapter that talks about what I know um, and what I have put together and um, and based on that information and what I know about how to use natural methods, I can say it that way, the purge would be very powerful because it pushes the body into a highly alkaline state. In that state, cells dump a whole lot of stuff. And then you, you, when you're done with that, when you're done with the purge, some clay, some bentonite clay, and the liver flush to help clean out the liver. And um, yeah, okay. So there's, <laughs> I can't say anymore, um, but that's what I would do, okay. And then uh, just a good supply of your vitamins, minerals, and aminos. So, okay, so the purge is in the Getting Well Naturally book. Actually, I have that right here. It's all described in here. Um, I don't want to be selling my book on a live stream, but um, the directions, they're pretty simple. The effect, it's powerful. It's very powerful. Okay. So, um, okay. So Frank's Thailand Adventure. Uh-oh. Okay, Frank. My fiance is from Thailand. We can't bring her here now because of the mandate, uh, in the arm mandate for non-citizens. Do you see a time in the next year or so that there will be a window to get her here with me? Um, hmm. Let's see here. Uh, there's a slight chance next March, but it's a small chance. Um, and then there's nothing. Um, I went to the end of 2023. That's a year and a half. Um, have you considered moving to Thailand? <laughs> so, um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to discourage you. I just, there's, a, there's, like I said, there's a small chance. Be watching in the spring, just before we get to spring. Be watching. Um, it gets a 
there may be another very tiny window, but it's something that's not publicized. If I go like to next October, November, that's a year from this October, November. Um, there's some sort of confusion that allows uh, people to come in. Um, you know, you might consider bringing her in as an illegal alien. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. People would be jumping down my throat. What are you saying? So, um, but there's all kinds of people coming over the border. They're coming from all over the world. And I don't know what they think they're going to get once they get here. But I think they might. Well, let me not say anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, let me, before I say anymore, let me just say, Frank, if it were me, I would be asking for help and guidance from the universe saying, give me a sign that this is what I should be doing, that, that she should be coming over here. Um, and then, um, and be very clear about what that sign is. And then if the sign is no, then you have to deal with that. But if it's yes, then you have to have the courage to take that step, whatever that step is, and then say, okay, next, and then wait for the next step, and the next, and the next. And and that's very often uh, the way that the powers that be that are not governmental um, help people. You know, can you take this step? Can you trust us enough to take this step? And you take that step and then you wait and you twiddle your thumbs and, and they're working on the next step and then they'll say, okay, now, okay, do this. And then you take that step and then, you know, somebody screws up or somebody doesn't check the paperwork or somebody says we're out of time or we ran out of medicine for the arm. Um, just go. That kind of thing. So, yeah, just, you know, start working. Start working with the that amazing intelligence that's out there. Most people call it God. <laughs> so, okay. Um, Doug says, we are planning a new freedom convoy in Canada. Any thoughts? I saw that. I saw that. I thought that that was pretty good, you know. I don't know that it's going to have the same ease. I'm going to use that term on purpose. The first convoy was easy. The second convoy may not be so easy. And it may create many more disturbances. But I have to say, it's part of that uh, standing up that needs to be done, that the people from other planets are looking for to say, hey, they're standing up. Let's see what we can do. Let's make something happen here. So, um, and it becomes a flag for uh, people that need to stand up. I keep hoping that some of what you guys in Canada do will rub off on the people in the U.S., um, so we'll see. Okay. Good luck with that. <laughs> um, okay. Next, uh, MRC says, what's the outlook for people and Oculum labs who've supposedly leaked the West's 
social credit score coming after the collapse when the reset occurs. Um, you know what? I saw that question uh, before we got on um, here tonight, and I have not had a chance to check out Oculum, Oculum Labs. Um, but other than to just go to the site and look at the, you know, the basic site, I didn't have a chance to like scroll around and dig in or click on anything, but I will do that. It looked pretty interesting. I, this is one of the things I saw for the look-see. Somebody in a high up is going to betray the government. The, the negative government. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll leave it at that. That, however, starts like a chain reaction of things. So I'm waiting to see. I'm listening. Uh, if this is part of that, that'd be great. If it's not, if it's another, um, what could I say? If it's another scam, to get people believing that something's happening, something good is coming. Um, well, we'll figure it out. We will figure it out. The, the more the scams go on, the worse it's going to be for the people that are trying to pull that stuff. I've seen, well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, and thanks for that question because I, um, that was a nice heads up for me in terms of Oculum Labs. Uh, let's see. Elena says, will there be another strong push to get the jab again? Um, yes, I have seen that numerous times. It's coming. And, um, and it doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't fly. People just thumb their nose at that. Um, there's, it creates havoc in the schools. Um, there's, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that happen. Um, and because, it, let me say it this way, because the people are saying no, and we're not, we're, we're not going along with any more of this game. Um, it brings to a head who's on what side. And that makes for longer-term difficulties um, over next year. Maybe there will be some waking up, but until we come out of the the hypnosis, until the people that are hypnotized by the narrative, which is not true, until those people wake up, we have a problem. It's a worse problem than... Um, you know, than anything having to do with uh, stick stuff in the arm problems or, uh, you know, food issues or gun, you know, Second Amendment issues or, 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 or. We aren't together as a population. And that, if we don't start coming back together, that makes for big trouble. Um, the second half of 2023 and into 2026. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really hoping that we can begin to slowly, gently wake people up. 
um, you know, the other day I thought maybe we could have this campaign of sending out, um, I don't know, what are those funniest animal issues or funniest dog or funniest something to make people laugh just and, and tell them, look, don't be so serious about what's happening out there in the world. The narrative is just that. It's a narrative. It's not the reality. So anyway, silly idea. <laughs> okay. Um, just be ready for that, including some lockdowns and some more stuff with masks and um, and efforts. You know, I've what they're going to do is exactly what they did in 1980, 81, 82 with AIDS. They're going to, oh, you know, we have this terrible problem and it's lethal and it's all these things. And yeah, okay. Well. Anyway, be ready, okay? <laughs> uh, Lisa says, how long will the world have a food shortage? When do you think the world will have free energy? Ooh, those are good questions. Um, the food shortage looks to last a minimum of two to three years. Um, I, don't think I don't think we're gonna run out some, well, let me say it this way. Some people are not going to have food. So in, in that sense, they are going to run out. But the majority are going to take action to grow their own and to do things that um, that are really very, that lead them to being self-sufficient. And that is something that I think is good for everybody. Um, the, uh, I want to mention this movie that I saw <laughs> my brother-in-law came to visit and took me to a movie and it was, um, Jurassic something or other Jurassic world, maybe. And he was, he thought it was kind of stupid, but I was watching it from the point of view that said, what if this is something that is warning us? about what they're going to do because it was about this cricket factory where they were um, changing these crickets, this DNA of these crickets so that they would destroy food around the world unless it was Monsanto uh, crop seed. So um, I thought, you know, this is... Uh, if they're telling us what they're going to do, they're telling us, well, we're making these crickets so that we can make protein for you, cricket burgers <laughs> or something of that sort. Um, but what if they're really planning to, what if they have uh, introduced some kind of new DNA in these crickets and then they, oh, they accidentally got out and now they're destroying fields all over the world. Everybody that's independent is screwed. So kind of watching, you know, for that kind of game to come up and be pl be played. Um, and, and so no matter how I look at it, the um, food thing, even if we start right now reversing the food problems, the prices are not going to go back down. Things will still be short, short supply. It won't hit really badly until next year because we still have, we're growing food a year ahead of when we're going to need it. And so even if we started right now, um, there's no way. I think it's in June. Um, 
20% in North Dakota, 20% of the fields had been planted by mid-June. That's unheard of. That usually by mid-June, 80% of the planting is done. So um, what's going on there? Why are people not planting? Yeah, lots and lots of issues. Um, you know, be prepared to grow some food and to uh, nurture people who are growing food and to appreciate them. So um, when do I think the world will have free energy? Well, we already have it. It's just not out there and available. Um, free energy is available everywhere. <laughs> it's, um, we have to tap it. That has been highly suppressed. The ability to tap that. Um, we, we just need to, I think, have a little crisis or two, which I think is coming. Um, and then there, there'll be a wholesale, look, we're not listening to your suppression stories. We're not, you know, what the government does is say, don't you dare write about this. Don't you talk about this. Don't you build this. Don't you sell this. And what I see is that we get to a point where inventors are saying, that, you know, to hell with you talking to the government. I'm going to do what I think people need. And, um, and so we're going to see all kinds of different sorts of inventions, but there are some really wonderful free energy systems that are out there. They're up and coming. There's a few of them that are being funded. I, I'm sure they're trying to figure out how they can disseminate that energy. And um, so that's going to be, and, and charge for it, of course. <laughs> um, but free energy is, uh, it's on its way. And I think it'll probably be 2030 before we see a lot of that available in a lot of places. <sighs> yeah, there's a whole lot of re-engineering and new infrastructure needs to be set up. I don't know if we could do that in 10 years or not. So, but it is coming. It is already here. It's just not... They can't get permission to put it out there because the electric companies and the nuclear power plants and the windmill farms and all that have precedence. So, okay. Uh, Margaret says, question, do you have any recommendations for learning more about how to access primary water? Ooh. We are in Lander, Wyoming, looking to tap into such a great source. Um, as primary water. Um, you know, Margaret, I've not done that myself, but I have a good friend who is excellent with that. He and the, the guy who discovered primary water um, have worked together. That might be something that, um, that I think could be, um, you know, found in Wyoming in, in a heartbeat. I mean, primary water is everywhere, number one. Um, two, there are systems that are slowly coming about. Um, I've had all kinds of warnings. Don't talk about cash. Cash isn't, stuff isn't real. I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, it is, because we did that same stuff in the lab. Dr. Levengood was 
right up there with Cash. He had a little different focus. Cash was focused on uh, oxygen or atmosphere, food, um, healing, and um, propulsion. Levengood was focused on healing and water and energy and, um, and the nature of the human. And what is, what's going to come out of this next decade is water that is that we get out of out of uh, thin air you, you just put the fields together and then and those fields then produce water cash is already doing that um that is something that is um i i think in wyoming you know <laughs> wyoming needs everything it needs grocery stores it needs water um it needs greenhouses it needs um oh wow needs everything so it's a wonderful place i like wyoming um it's a wonderful place for um trying things that nobody else would try because there's so many other alternatives well wyoming doesn't have all those alternatives so it's the perfect place to experiment with stuff um and i'll see if i can find the link to the guy who does i know where it is in fact um, who does primary water and i'll ask uh, my friend can i put this link somewhere where people can access it so um yeah it's well worth it. Uh, the, these guys, these two guys who do primary water, they can just walk across the landscape and say, drill right there, drill right there, drill right there, and up comes water. So, yeah. We do a lot of things the hard way, don't we? <laughs> um, DT says, what is the purpose of all the mental illness issues we have as a collective? <laughs> oh, my. We'll be here for a week, DT. Uh, what does that tell us about where we are and how does mental illness help to evolve our consciousness? Well, a couple of things. First of all, when you don't have the right set of minerals to activate your DNA and you don't have the right set of aminos to rebuild that DNA on a regular basis, then you don't have, you can't have the consciousness that goes with that, with those minerals and those aminos. Those are frequencies. You have a missing frequency, you have a, a, a hole in your consciousness, you have a hole in your capacity to feel. And so, um, when when you grow up without the right diet, that's a problem, and you can get to mental illness from that. Backing up a step, when you are conceived and you are um, in the womb and there isn't enough nutrition, to build out the whole set of structures, tissues that access frequencies, your brain accesses frequencies, um, then you end up with that problem. You end up with mental illness. When you start birthing babies by cesarean section, 
instead of natural childbirth, and they and that child is no longer coming down the birth canal, poor little face, you know, squished. <laughs> um, and but what's coming into the nose and the mouth are all sorts of important bacteria that live in the vagina of the mother. And that child swallows that bacteria. And then when that child is nursed and has colostrum for three days, that colostrum mixes with those um, bacteria that were swallowed on the way down the birth canal. And you get this astounding um, gut biome. 160 some, 170, 180 different microbiota that form in the gut. Without those, your consciousness is affected. Mental health problems come up, inability to focus, ADD, ADHD, Asperger's, autism, all kinds of stuff goes wrong. Okay, so that's part of it. So then, so there's a whole mineral thing. The mother has to be in good shape. In the olden days, women were not allowed to have babies unless they had had one solid year of super nutrition. And then they were ready to have a child. And once they had that child, they were not, they were advised to not have another child for three years because it took three years for the body to recover. So it, you have those issues. And then we have all of the, what I'm going to call the, mm, the parenting problems, the, the, the lack of understanding of how do you nurture a consciousness so that it doesn't become psychotic, it doesn't become sociopathic, it doesn't have personality disorders. We're some of our own worst enemies. We do not know how to raise children. And then we have the whole religious thing, the guilt, the shame, the worry, the got to do this, can't do that, looking over your shoulder, always feeling like somehow you're not good enough. That adds to mental illness. And then when you get certain people who have a genetic flaw and they don't process zinc well, they're going to get... Um, bipolar disorder or they can't process the B vitamins, they're going to end up with schizophrenia um, or things like that. Yeah, there's all sorts of things that uh, can go wrong. And then the last thing I would say about mental illness um, is that there is a change of state that occurs in the human at puberty. And there's it's a tremendous change of state. You have to have the nutrition to make that change of state. The, the change of state, you go from being unable to reproduce to being able to reproduce. And you need super nutrition to make that change of state. And we don't have it. None of the food has it. Kids eat sugar and junk and processed food and nothing is real. And they, and so they end up, what happens naturally at that same point in time is that your psychic abilities should begin to blossom, age 12, 13, 14, 15. And that comes right along with sexual development. And if you don't have the nutrition, then what you're going to end up saying is, 
oh, you know, there's, there's a ghost in here. There's somebody talking to me. I hear voices. And then they give you drugs. And then there's all kinds of side effects. And then you end up in an institution. Um, so we do not have a clear picture of how mental illness is created. And we don't have a clear picture on how to fix it, how to reverse that. Um, I think they'll get there. They are learning how to reverse dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, that's almost the same thing, similar, a little different. But um, yeah, all of that is what I'm going to call the physiological side of things. When you have an occasional person with mental illness, sometimes that is because there is a soul, an individual, um, who has agreed with another individual, I'll produce a body that has defects that cause mental illness. You come and inhabit that, that body, and you will have an experience of what it is to not have control over your perception, to be wildly psychic or schizophrenic, able to move in and out of other dimensions, but not able to control it. Um, and uh, sometimes you'll have uh, spend your life in an institution because you're doing karma for something. So there are a couple cases here and there of mental illness that are useful as karmic teachers for people. I call it karmic teachers. Somebody wants an experience of a particular kind. That's asking quite a big favor, in my opinion. There are other ways to get that. But in our time, uh, we haven't evolved many of those other methods yet. We're getting there. So there's a lot. There's no reason for us to have mental illness. There's no reason. And when you're not healthy, you're going to have uh, distorted consciousness. And the unhealthier you get, the more mental illness you're going to experience. You're going to see it everywhere. So, and I think right now we're about almost 50-50. Half the population does not have um, a healthy, well-balanced consciousness. It's really sad. Um, okay. Sandy says, hi, Penny. How can a child with ADHD be helped through nutrition or supplements? Um, oh, that's a wonderful question. <laughs> um, you have to change their diet. You have to add enzymes, um, pancreas enzymes, number one. It's really hard to get a child. You can't really do um, some of the big detox procedures. So the diet becomes critical. Nutrients become critical. Um, there's, I actually had a paper that I had written um, that listed do these things. The child needs an awful lot of fat, saturated animal fat, butter, cream, um, unpasteurized, well, I shouldn't say unpasteurized, full fat milk, um, fatty meats etc etc all those feed the brain you and plus you have to have the other fats um, so the saturated animal fats are just one thing and then you also need the um, super unsaturated fats and the unsaturated fats 
um, that's, you know, that's not polyunsaturated. The body makes polyunsaturated, but um, you need coconut oil. That's um, your, um, some of your unsaturated or some of your saturated fat, um, but it comes from a plant. And then your hemp seed oil or, or flax seed oil, um, you need them all. You need them all. And we, 30% of the diet to 35% should be fat um, or the fats. Uh, no sugar, no sugar at all. Um, you have to find out what is that child allergic to. If you can do a slow 30-day colon sweep with a little bit of, um, uh, how do I say it, with a little, little bit of um, psyllium seed in it, um, and then at the same time be feeding Bravo yogurt. Bravo yogurt replaces all of the, um, all of the microbiome. So you scrape out the old and all of the unhelpful microorganisms and you start putting in the 160 some uh, new microorganisms. That makes a huge difference right there. Um, there's, uh, there's exercise that the child needs to have. Massage, very, very important. Um, I, there's, a, there's ways to deal with that, okay? Um, and it takes a while. Supplements, the full range of aminos, full range of minerals, and the full range of, of vitamins every day. Every day. The body, especially in a child, body's growing every day. There's no day when it says, okay, we don't need anything today. We're not, we're not dividing any cells. We're not, we're, we have Sundays off. That doesn't work. So um, structured water helps a lot. Um, and um, that's, you know, you start, do what you can, keep going. So yeah, ADD and ADHD, um, even autism, those have been reversed. So, uh, so Nicole says, I would love to know Penny's thought on pathogens like Lyme. <laughs> Epstein Barr, herpes, etc., and if they were created off-world by the dark in order to take humanity down. Um, no, they weren't created off-world by the dark. They were created on-world by the United States government, the CDC, and the NIH. And that is the explanation of that is what I was referring to earlier um, that I'm putting in the revival that explains how we got those kinds of things. So um, they are such a nuisance. Oh my gosh. I, it's hard to talk about the kind of biowarfare that we have been struggling with for so long. Um, I don't even like to use that term, but it is the appropriate term. I, there's no way to excuse what's been done. Um, there's lots of ways to get around it, etc. So I'm just going to button my lip and say, all of those are related. All of those are from the exact same pathogen. There's only one. Okay. So 
I'm, I'll work on the revival. It's that chapter is done. <laughs> well, I'll get it out there as soon as I can. Um, I think people need to know what's really going on. And nobody's saying it. So, so Nancy says, can you talk about coffee? Yeah. <laughs> I was just reading about how any form of it, including coffee enemas, it's not good for the body. Uh, well, Nancy, I'm going to say just the opposite. Coffee is very good for the body. Um, if it's loaded with sugar, not so good. If it's loaded with um, fake creamers, not so good. Um, if you're drinking four or five cups a day, that's too much. However, coffee is absolutely, it's, it's wonderful in many ways. The way that you're supposed to drink coffee is one, maybe two cups a day at most. And you can do that for two, three, four weeks, and then you stop. You have to stop for a week or two. No coffee. In order to reset. What coffee does is activate the liver. Coffee enemas activate the liver. Coffee also, on the downside, withdraws water from your tissues. So you have to be drinking water and taking a little bit of salt to counter that coffee so that the body will hang on to some of that water. And the, um, and the other thing that coffee does is when you drink coffee with a meal, it actually helps you absorb nutrition from that food a little bit better than if you just ate the food um, period without the coffee. Coffee is like grapefruit juice. It, it, it's a driver that allows um, nutrients or uh, whatever it is, substances, to go into the cell, to get into the cell right now. So if you take a little bit of coffee with your food, um, you know, once in a while, I'll have a half a cup of coffee during the day. Um, and I just put cream in it. I don't add sugar, just ordinary whipping cream, actually, sometimes half and half. Um, and, th and that's it. And just sip half a cup while I'm eating, um, especially if I'm eating something like, uh, like meat or a heavy meal. Um, it helps that to sink in a little bit better. It helps you absorb nutrition a little better. So um, to say that coffee is bad for you, yeah, if you drink too much of it, what happens is it withdraws water from your tissues, your cells, and they dry out, and that is the essence of aging. That's when joints begin to dry out and... You know, and then you get bursitis and tendonitis because you're busy using that joint for something. And it's all dry and crackly and you irritate the bejabbers out of it. So not too much coffee and take a break, but otherwise enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> uh, what do I think of hydrogen water? Just B says, uh, breathing proper percent of hydrogen gas. Um, I haven't done that, the breathing of the hydrogen gas, but hydrogen water I have used. I have some hydrogen tablets. So um, let me use this. 
So here's my water. Okay. So this is quite large. I have a smaller um, half. It's a half a mason jar. <laughs> and you put some water in it, a cup. And then you put this tablet, the hydrogen tablet in, put a cover on right away and shake it up and then um, take the cover off and drink it immediately. You will breathe a little bit of that hydrogen gas as you are drinking, but it stops a cold flat. Like cold is over, cold or flu, done. So hydrogen um, water is great. I recommend keeping some hydrogen tablets handy. So, um, Penny, are you aware of the EE system? No, I don't think so. EE, what what does that mean? It's Say the, more. It's the Dr. Michael, the Dr. Michael machine. Oh, that, yeah. Okay. I call that Dr. Michael's machine, Dr. Rose. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I am very much aware of that. Um, I think it is really one of those things that is a beginning step toward making our walls and our curtains and our ceilings and floors do exactly what that cube is doing. So, yeah. Why should we live in a house full of dead stuff? Why not have something that is um, nurturing, activating the frequencies that we are, keeping them in tune, you know, just as ongoing maintenance. We're coming to that point. We're getting there. That is an absolute, um, how do I say it? Uh, nobody in among some of the advanced races, um, Nobody would even dream of putting in, uh, putting themselves in an environment that wasn't nurturing the living side of things, the hidden living side, all your frequencies. It would be, a, they consider that to be asinine. Why take yourself down? We're not there. We're getting there. We're just beginning to say, you know, hey, Maybe if we put this in our room, or maybe if we um, have things like this. You know, the bioharmonizer. This little thing um, absorbs and, and improves all of the... Um, uh, you know the computer stuff that's in my in my office here. So home dome—that's what it's called. Bioharmonizer home dome, um, made by a guy up in Canada. So we have um, we have just started to say we have to counter some of the stuff that we're doing that is really hard on the body. And I think the EE system is one of those that has said, okay, let's take it to the next level. So, yeah, very good. MM says, what do we have to do to stop the siphoning of water out of Lake Mead, Lake Powell, and the Colorado River? Uh, I don't know that you're going to be able to stop that. I just, you know, I've heard different stories, um, different reports. I don't know that they are accurate or not, but 
um, that there's water being drained. Um, the other is that uh, water is being deflected so that no rain comes in. Um, that's once that's gone, boom. Where's the electricity going to come from for that whole region? Um, I think I know where the electricity is going to come from, but um, it's going to disrupt a lot of people until we actually get to that point. So we have a lot of, of interesting experiences that we're going to have that are going to teach us we don't need to be doing things the way that we're doing things. And that, um, when you see people uh, working together all day and then the sun goes down and they don't have any electricity, they go to bed. If they have one option for a light bulb, if they have one thing that they can um, you know, that they can say this gen generates electricity. Um, and, you know, the bicycle, that what is that bicycle generates electricity? Um, or little solar-powered um, batteries and things like that. I just bought a solar-powered battery and battery backup system. Um, and that's one that's portable. So and when we were without electricity, was it for a day, 12 hours, about a week and a half ago, maybe 13 hours. Um, you know, I had just ordered that battery backup system and it wasn't there yet, it wasn't here yet. And I thought, oh, I need that. And I didn't have it. But I could have kept going and been quite comfortable if I had had it, if I had ordered it the week before. So I think we're going to learn something about being productive under circumstances that we would have considered difficult. Um, and we're going to be really quite grateful for a lot of that. So um, if there's a miracle uh, that happens, which if it's going to happen, it's probably going to be a Christmas miracle, then um, we might be able to reverse some of that Lake Mead stuff. Uh, wow, it's going to take a while. So, yeah, hang in there, okay? <laughs> Ether Revival says, are you aware of the similarities between your root work and the Venus sequence of the gene keys? No. No, but it sounds really interesting. What's the Venus sequence of the gene keys? It sounds Venus sequence. It's, uh, okay, hmm, I have to check that out. No idea what that is either. So um, thank you. Thank you for asking that because that is something I'm going to check out. Uh, Venus sequence. Okay. Root work, I know, is powerful. Um, and it is um, something that when you get to the root of something, finally, um, wow, <laughs> I, there's a release there that changes your core. So, yeah. Okay. So, Nonyuk3, I'm sure I'm butchering that, uh, says, what does it mean when you dream 
of being pulled like a magnet toward a wall or upwards, like being lifted to the ceiling or sky, like a force taking you or pulling you somewhere. Oh, yeah. You know, when I was a little girl, I used to dream all the time that I was driving a car straight up into the sky. Um, or that something was, you know, I'd be moving along and something pulled me right up. And that typically is going to point to your consciousness is going to elevate a lot. Um, if you have done some meditation, if you've done some work, if you have been somebody who's uh, taken a class or done some reading or chatted with others or belonged to a group, um, and you're dreaming like that, that's a sign that whatever it is you've been working on is going to be working on you. So it's a very good sign. Uh, the difficulty, this particular thing, if you're driving the car and you drive straight up, that means you'll have a little more control. If it's a magnet pulling you, um, often then it's not quite as, as simple. It doesn't feel like you're in charge. It feels like things are happening that you can't explain, don't know why they're happening, didn't really understand how you triggered that. And so it's a little more stressful, but it'll be okay. Um, once consciousness starts to unfold, it has a mind of its own and you want it to have a mind of its own and it has a power that is just non-negotiable so let yourself go for a ride if you hit the wall that means you're hitting the wall of old beliefs what you're trying to pretend isn't going to work anymore okay upwards yeah that's good heidi ah hi heidi how are you uh, any tips on ways to shift easily in and out of higher brainwave states of consciousness? Um, to shift easily. I just, this is something people ask me and I never know what to say. It's, it, 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 okay, I'll start by saying what came to me first. It's easy. It's easy to shift. Um, it, we make it hard because we don't realize how easy it is. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing is you have to practice. And, um, and so, um, so one of the things that, <laughs> that you might practice is um, like sit down, get quiet, look at the stuff all around you, you know, um, your the teacup you know beside your chair and um you know i have a book here and a pen and etc cetera, etc cetera. just look at what's in your environment and then close your eyes and imagine you are walking somewhere out in nature or for you what i would say is imagine you're swimming with the dolphins okay you will come to this point where if you practice that same thing, not something new every time. You're looking at your environment, boom, you're in with the dolphins, which might be a mile or five miles away. Then um, it'll become so real that, the, that you may end up triggering a message from the dolphins in that altered state. 
They see you. They know you're in an altered state. They know you're paying attention. They send you a message. Okay? That kind of thing. And that kind of shocks you back to, oh, oh, wow, I was really there. If I, for a minute there, felt like I was really there. That's the practicing. Um, when I was first learning out-of-body stuff, I was trying to learn to stay in the body, but everybody else was trying to learn to get out. Um, the, the woman in the, in the group that I was working with, and she had this, she wanted to learn to get out of the body. And so her technique was um, she sat down, closed her eyes, and started mentally peeling this orange, one little strip or piece at a time. And by the time she was done with the orange, she wanted to be out of the body, watching herself maybe peel the orange. Um, she wasn't physically peeling an orange, but she she said, um, one day she came in, she said, oh my God, I did it. I did it. And I'm doing it consistently. Um, it had taken her two and a half months of practicing this peeling of this orange, getting out of the body. And, um, and that was what finally got her. You need a mechanism. Bob, um, Bob uh, Monroe used to have a technique in which he laid down and just stretched out on the sofa or the bed or whatever, and then imagined he was rolling over and rolling right off the edge of the bed, right off the sofa. And he had to stand up because there was nothing there. Um, and that worked for him. Um, for myself, I have a, a dozen different techniques that I use. They all work. Um, like I said, for me, it was a, a situation of how do I stay um, where I'm trying to stay? How do I stay in one place? Um, and so over the years, um, I've kind of lost track of maybe four or five of the different techniques I used to use. Um, <laughs> some of them were a little goofy. Um, but the one that I use the most often is still to this day, I imagine I close my eyes, I'm in this totally black space. Um, and I, I imagine I'm crumpling up some newspaper, I hear the crackling, I throw that crumpled up ball of newspaper, and then I go after it and discover, oh, I'm out. So um, that's whatever it is you do, use the same sequence of steps over and over. Once you manage to do that, you're out of the body. If all you want to do is shift consciousness, which is a much, much easier, that's a case of just, um, you know, whatever it is you want to shift into. Do you want to know what's happening in California? You know, shift your consciousness over to California, note what you see, write it down, and then check later when you get a minute. Um, if you want to see what's happening with your mother or your friend or, you know, the government or Joe Biden or, you know, whatever. Um, you put your consciousness there and you see what you see. Don't wait for some, you know, for somebody to say, you who you have achieved uh, an altered state. That It's not going to happen. Okay. So... You just shift, you put your attention there as if you're watching TV. In fact, that's what a lot of people do. So they imagine they're watching TV um, in that other place and they you know, get information or insight or ideas or um, nurturing or you know support for something that they're trying to do. So those are different 
Um, the higher brainwave states, um, I, I use a dual state. The body is in alpha, consciousness is in gamma. Um, I'm not, I can't really explain how I do that, but um, it, the, consistently that I do that just to make sure that gamma, which is much harder, um, it's much more frenetic. It's harder on the body. I'm trying to avoid that. So, um, so the, the alpha is my compromise. Leave the body in alpha. Consciousness goes into gamma. So, um, okay. I hope that's helpful. <laughs> uh, so Jennifer says, with all the unbelievable violent weather around the world happening right now, is there someone that knows where the source of that is? And can we put an end to that manipulation? You know what, Jennifer? I don't know where that um, is coming from. My gut says it's coming from two locations. One is uh, somewhere in the Sierra Nevada mountains near northern Colorado, perhaps, uh, maybe Wyoming. The other is Antarctica. And then there are other stations, I think, elsewhere in the world. But those two are the main ones. Um, they are trying to convince us that climate change is happening. And um, it's really climate manipulation that's happening. And, you know, as it stands right now, well, you know, a lot of people believe that climate change is happening. I think climate change is a misnomer, totally useless term. The climate is defined as the weather. And yes, there is weather manipulation. But the real, when you really look and listen, and I talk about this in the revival. What are they talking about when they're talking about climate change? They're talking about all the smoke and all of the um, the destruction of the forests and the water and the blah, blah, blah. That's not climate. That's the result of poor manufacturing decisions. And they're trying to pass that off as climate change. Yeah, that does affect our environment, something fierce but it's not climate change. So uh, we have to clean up our world big time, big time. You know, just there's no, we were talking today about going fishing. Where could we fish that we would be able to get fish that isn't contaminated with all kinds of mercury and arsenic and other toxins? There is no place. There are no more rivers that aren't polluted. So, yeah, we uh, we need to clean up things. Uh, Linda says, an update on crypto and silver, if possible. Are we going down or is the bottom in? Are we going down more? Um, I had thought that we were going to go down again a little bit more. Um, crypto, what I had seen, this was about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, um, was that crypto was going to go down to between 15 and 20. And then it was going to uh, kind of head up a little bit. And then it was going to go down like be to between 10 and 15, but for a short time. And then it would shoot, well, shoot, it would work its way back up steadily. So it did go down to somewhere between 15 and 20. 
Um, I haven't watched because I've been, when you're writing a book, the whole world could blow up and the planet could float away into space. I'd never know it because I'm nose to the grindstone. But um, cryptos, if they have gone up, um, they're in that upward climb, that first upward climb that I saw. They may go down again a little bit um, between 10 and 15. But if they don't and they just keep climbing, I wouldn't be surprised. And um, if it does go down between 10 and 15, once it goes down there, then it goes back. It just climbs steadily. So, um, and then as far as silver, um, you know what I have to say? I have been seeing silver at $600 for a year. At least, I'm going to say at least a year. Yeah, maybe almost a year. Um, what I keep seeing is that the manipulation, we call it the control, the, uh, the, <laughs> the $600 silver is already there. But because of that manipulation, it's not going to show up. If it shows up, it'll be a $600 silver. It would be toward the end of the, toward the end of the year. When I say that, I mean like the last two weeks of December, maybe. And, um, and then may even go up a little bit more in January, February. But right now, um, it looks to me like the banks are going to pull off their currency reset. Um, that may cause havoc everywhere, will cause havoc everywhere. So we'll see as we go forward, um, if, if we don't panic and we get clear about what we're willing to do, um, then we'll have some power to say, no, we're doing, we're doing this. We're not doing that. Or yeah, we'll go along with this, but only so far. Um, there are, there are factors coming that I think are going to be very interesting. When I say that, I mean, um, people who, uh, change sides, people who are on the side of the manipulation, people who are on the side of the great reset, the financial reset, they change sides at the last minute. So, okay. Oh, I, oh, we done? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Those were really great questions. Um, I wish all of you uh, a happy uh, couple weeks here. I think school goes, we go back to school here in Michigan on uh, August 22nd. So that's only a couple weeks away, two weeks. Um, and uh, so enjoy what we have left of summer. Um, hold your, hold your, your dignity, hold your consciousness, um, hold your, don't hold your breath, <laughs> hold your money wisely and well, um, keep preparing steadily. Don't, don't go into panic mode. Just keep preparing steadily. Basic basics, not frilly stuff, basic stuff that you might need. Okay. You'll be fine. We'll all be fine. Okay. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Elsa, in the chat. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.